and welcome to Make Good, the podcast about yarn and knitting, brought to you by Scratch Supply Co. We are recording today in downtown Lebanon, New Hampshire, and we're super excited to be here. I'm Karen. And I'm Jessica. And we are going to start today with a corrections corner. Yay! Yeah, so last week we were talking about different fiber types. We were talking about different breeds of sheep and, you know, non-sheep animals and that kind of thing that you would make yarn out of. And I said some really wild stuff. I like put my hand into a grab bag of terminology and came up with just the wrong things. So they were close, but a little off. Right. So first (laughs) of all, we were talking about hair follicles when what we meant was hair cuticles. Mm -hmm. Hair follicles is like the pore that the hair grows out of, or I don't even know if it's the pore. It's the part inside your head that the hair like grows out of. I don't want to get myself into another corrections corner where like a dermatologist is. It's not the actual strand of hair. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) And then also, for some reason, I decided that those things were also called microns. That's not what a micron is. A micron is a unit of measurement denoting size. So if you're talking about like yarn that is 23 microns, that's telling you how thick the hair is, not how many barbs it has coming out of it. I, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) So all of this is to say, let us impart some more accurate information to you. And also we're actually reading the emails that you send us. Yes. And we appreciate your feedback. Yes. And we are not infallible. So if we say (laughs) something that is like, what? You know, you hear the record scratch partway through the podcast because like word soup is coming out of our (laughs) mouths. Like I'm not saying it won't happen again, but just shoot us a message and tell us it's okay. Yeah. And you super don't have to apologize to us in your email for correcting us because we got a couple like that. Yeah. We can own up to mistakes and misspoken things and just fix them. We're we're okay with that. Thank you for your feedback. Yes. We spend all of our time doing a hobby that you can just frog and do again. So <laughs> we are more than happy to take a second pass at trying to actually explain what things are and at producing the right nouns. So this week, we are going to be talking about a current event in the fiber industry. Jessica, would you like to give us a little context on this? Sure. I'd be happy to. And I'm going to preempt my context statement by saying that neither Karen and I personally nor Scratch are individually or as a business involved in this situation. So we are looking at it as members of the broader fiber community, like many of you are, I'm sure. But we think the issue is important and we wanted to talk about it today. Mm -hmm. So context, we have been paying attention in the fiber community on Instagram to the conversation that's happening right now around the behavior of the yarn company Quince & Co., who also owns Stonewall and Twig and & Horn. So the three of them are all kind of one in the same as far as ownership goes. And their recent interactions with Christine Chitness Christine is um, a journalist and an author and a photographer, and her Instagram, which is at christine.chitness, I believe, is full of her telling of the story. So if you go there and like look at her stories and her grid, like you will get her accurate perspective of this interaction there, and I don't intend to speak for her. But basically, the gist of what's happening is that Quince & Co., made the choice to 
engage her professional creative opinion on things. It seems like they had her consult for them and basically not pay her for it. So their issue there was unfair compensation of women's labor. And this is not the only incident of it. Um, You may recall, I want to say it was the fall, but last year's all time is broken to me. But sometime in the last year, the designer Layla Raven also had problems with Quince and not being fairly compensated for her work. We've heard from a couple of other designers and other folks in the industry about related incidents within the same sort of pattern of behavior in just in the last couple of days, which often is the case when stories right. like this come out. You find out that, you know, for everybody who is publicly sharing their story, there are half a dozen people who thought it was just them or just a particular set of circumstances and kept it quiet. Yeah, and didn't feel like they could speak out about Mm -hmm. what was happening. But we think it's really important that people do and that people feel like they're going to be supported when they speak honestly about their experiences within this industry. And there's a reason that this kind of thing comes up so often in our industry. And it's because of the sort of personal nature of the fiber industry as a whole. I would definitely agree with that. I think that if you're if you're thinking kind of broadly about businesses and industries, mm-hmm. Fiber World is unique in how intimate it is. Right. There is, I, I want to say, like a chain of connectivity between the different layers of the industry that doesn't exist in other places. So speaking personally, myself as a knitter, I have like my knitting community of people who I am like friends with, but also I'm a business owner in this fiber community. And as a yarn shop owner, I have had the opportunity to build relationships with teachers and instructors, with pattern designers, with dyers, with farmers. Like it is a many layered cake of (laughs) deliciousness when it's good. And then sometimes you bite on an eggshell and your day is ruined. <laughs> and that's, that kind of feels like what's happening here. Like, so a lot of people really liked Quince's yarn. The wool itself is quite lovely. Right. And it is tainted by the kind of gross business practices that we're learning about. And that doesn't happen with your toothpaste company. Right. Right. I mean, because, because the way we are interacting with our craft is, you know, You have selected a pattern. Often when you're finding that pattern, it's a picture of the designer or their kids or their friend or something Mm -hmm. rather than a sort of generic model, right? Like you can see the person who's designing the pattern. You're choosing the yarn and the yarn is going to spend 10 or 20 or 40 hours in your hands. And then at the end, you're going to, you know, everybody who asks you about that sweater, you're going to tell them I made it out of blah, 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 yarn, you know, is whoever's design, like you have an intimate relationship with the tools you're using to do your thing, as opposed to if you're buying toothpaste or a toothbrush or something, you think about the brand when you're making the purchase. And then if somebody's like, wow, you have beautiful white teeth, you're not going to be like, thanks, it's because my toothbrush is from Boca. Like, no, no, you're, that's just not going to happen. That's, <laughs> I mean, maybe it's happened, but that's that's kind of weird. Right. <laughs> I'm not judging. Be proud of your toothbrush. <laughs> and so Jessica was just saying, like, we feel like that yarn is tainted because we have that intimate and personal connection with where our materials are coming from. 
So for example, we have a shop Instagram. If you shop with us and you follow us on Instagram, you've probably seen pictures of our dogs. You have some idea what the lets look like. It's not unusual for that to be the case in fiber world. Right. The community is built on trust and connection and shared love of craft. When somebody that you have that level of connection with does something that's disappointing, it feels personal. Oh, yeah. And I think that there are kind of two ways that those situations can go. Like, nobody is perfect. People sometimes do hurtful things out of ignorance or out of thoughtlessness. It's not always out of malice. Right. Some people are horrible. So that does happen too. Like, let's not sugarcoat (laughs) this. Um, Hmm. And they will cling to their bad, bigoted behavior like it's a lifeboat because it's who they are. But not that's not the majority of people. It's not how most of this industry works. But if something happens and your community calls you to task and says, hey, what you did was exclusionary, what you did was racist, what you did was hurtful, what you did was an unfair business practice, the correct thing to do is to A, listen Mm -hmm. to what people are telling you, B, do some self-reflection and think about what have I done and where did that come from, and C, try to repair your bond with the community if you're actually invested in this community. You make apologies and amends where you can and make a sincere effort to change and repair and and learn like that is it's like the social contract like that's just how you (laughs) are good people to one another I think and that doesn't always happen right and I think particularly when it is a a larger company that's taking advantage of somebody who's a one-person organization or is you know dying out of their garage or has, you know, whatever it is, like they're, they're burning designers. Right. They're burning designers. And so often it's designers. And like, because designs are, are not a tangible good in the same way that a big pile of yarn is a tangible good. Oh, so often it's designers. That is a conversation that we should have also, because I know there are a couple of designers who have started doing like a pay what you can model for their designs. I think you know, from the shop perspective, it's always a little bit strange to see somebody who will come in and they're happy to spend $200 on a sweater and then $6 on the pattern is the sticking point for them. They're like, that's a $6 pattern. And you're like, it took somebody 10 months to make that, right? Right. Like, (laughs) that should be a $12 pattern, which that's a little bit of a side conversation. I just, I really want to acknowledge that it is so, so often this sort of intangible producers who are getting manipulated in this industry. And and that was and the exploited. case. Yeah. Exploited is a much better word than manipulated. That was kind of the case for what happened recently. And you can you can see all the stories there. We don't want to speak for Christine Chitness, but you can see her story on her Instagram. So what we really want to talk about is what do you do if you as a knitter have purchased yarn And then the dyer or the mill or somebody does something that just feels gross. Yeah, just makes it have a bad taste in your mouth. Mm -hmm. Don't put yarn in your mouth. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> I mean, trying to stop me. Um, yeah. So I think like we're going to approach this from a couple of different levels. Right. And maybe we start with the individual knitters, mm-hmm. like because the consumers, the the knitters and crocheters, like the hand crafters in this industry are kind of our bedrock. Like that's what we are all working to produce for. Right. So you've got stash. And now it makes you furious every time you look at it. How do we deal with this? So the first thing you can do is forgive the yarn. Okay. That, that is always an option. The yarn didn't do anything. If you can look at it and say, you know what? I don't want to give that company my money again, but I've already done it. And this is mine now and whatever. That is okay to do. Like, just because somebody has done something problematic doesn't mean that everything they've ever created needs to go into the trash. You could write down the yardage and the weight information and then take the ball bands off and throw those away. So then you don't have to be reminded, right? Like, that is an option, but also don't forget what weight your yarn is. That's annoying. (laughs) Yeah, so you can do that. And you can, I, I want to acknowledge up front here that, like, it's not reasonable for all fiber people to be like put this in the trash right like you know we all have budgets that we work within our resources are precious to us yes and you know if you throw away all of the yarn that you bought last year there's no assumption that you can replace that so you kind of are where you are and if you are in a place where you feel like you would feel better about donating it or doing something else with it that's okay like Mm -hmm. that's an option but if financially, like you were in a place where this fiber needs to stay with you because that's what you're knitting with this year, or you really, really loved the fiber, the yarn itself, because it was beautiful or felt perfect for this project or whatever the case. Or you're two-fifths of the way into a sweater and you really want to wear the sweat. Like, don't punish yourself to punish somebody else who already has your money. Right. They'll literally never know. But Right. If you're using the yarn that's coming from the producer that now gives you rage and sadness. Right. The way to approach that, like when you're sharing your makes with your friends, like maybe you're doing the fiberware challenge and you're posting your work in progress. You want to show the thing that you're actually knitting. Don't tag where that yarn came from. Right. Don't use a hashtag. Don't at them. Because that is amplifying their voice and their visibility. Just don't do it. You Mm -hmm. can say, look at this pink yarn I'm using and not mention where it's from. You also can be a process knitter. Oh, yeah. So you can take this yarn and knit it for the joy of actually doing the thing, but not have to commit to keeping the final project. Right. Maybe it's now that's all of your gift knit yarn for the year. Or you're knitting for a local hospital or for a local homeless shelter or any number of other places that might appreciate having hand knits to distribute to people in your community who need them. That's a great way to use up that kind of yarn. Also, stash busting. Yes. Like, so you all know, you're probably tired of hearing about it. I'm (laughs) still in deep in my penguono. And I will tell you that some of the yarn that's going into my penguono is from my stash and it's not necessarily from problematic designers but just from people that I'm like I'm 
over you <laughs> and like <laughs> not interested in supporting your company, not because they've done anything super egregious and nasty, but just because they're not super nice. I don't know. So I'm just <laughs> eating that yarn up held multiple stranded with other yarns. And that way I'm going to use the fiber and not have to think about them specifically when I look at that project because right. it's camouflaged. <laughs> <laughs> and, and all of this is very much a personal decision. Like don't punish yourself by throwing away your yarn, but also don't punish yourself by forcing yourself to work with it. Like you really just need to decide what is going to bring you joy in your craft mm -hmm. and have permission to do whatever you want to do to that end. Yeah. And like Jessica was just saying, you don't need to acknowledge the problematic company at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, there's no, like we've, we've said before, like there's no knitting police, like there's no interrogation task force. Like if you post a picture in a sweater on Instagram, that's going to say, but what yarn is that? Like if you don't mention it, Right. It's just yarn. Yeah, it's just and, yarn. Yeah. Don't amplify these people that you no longer support. Right. So what about if your local yarn shop is carrying problematic yarn? Oof. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to hop right in here and say that the answer to that question, I think, depends a lot on the timeline of the situation. Mm hmm So there are, for example a lot of yarn shops that currently carry quince mm -hmm. and a significant number of them have been notified by the fiber community because I watched them all get tagged on Instagram posts. So they're aware mm -hmm. of this situation. When things like this happen, when you acknowledge, like you identify and acknowledge that a dyer or a yarn producer is, I'm just going to say being gross as a fiber person, if you feel so compelled, you are well within your right to speak up and connect with your local yarn shop and ask them, what is your plan? Do you know this is happening, first of all? And then what is your plan? Mm -hmm. And I say, do you know this is happening? Because speaking as a local yarn shop owner, sometimes you are so like heads down one foot in front of the other about what is happening in your business, you're not paying as much attention to what's happening in the broader community or on social media. So sometimes maybe your yarn shop owner has missed things. Oh, yeah. But once it's been brought to their attention, then they need to think about what they're going to do. What is the response? So maybe you don't need to show up outside of your local yarn shop with pitchforks in hand because you know that this yarn is inside the building. <laughs> right, right. But connecting with that shop owner to say, hey, do you know that this is going on? Are you going to keep carrying this yarn is a completely fair question yes. for this business. And at that point, your shop owner is either going to say something that's going to make you very upset. <laughs> right, which <laughs> and, is very possible. Yep. But also good information for you to have because you, if you care about what the producers are doing. You also care about what the other local businesses that you're engaging with are doing, right? right. And you can choose, you can make informed decisions about whether or not to support them. Mm -hmm. Or they're going to say, uh, yeah, I do know now, or I did see that. And also we have to figure out what we're going to do because it's one thing to have a sweater's worth of yarn at home in your personal stash. Mm -hmm. And 
it's another level of issue to have 10 or 30 or 50 or $100,000 worth of inventory in your store. Yeah. It is not realistic to expect, especially right now, but really at any time, like yarn shops are almost always very small businesses. Mm -hmm. It is not realistic to expect a shop owner to put all of that inventory into a trash bag and put it in the dumpster because that is functionally them setting their working capital on fire. Like if as a shop owner, they have invested heavily with this yarn or with this company, Mm -hmm. even if they decide they want to cut off that relationship and not reorder from them, they still need to in some way recoup what they have put into that so that they don't go out of business. Right. So like, that's why I say that the timeline of their response matters. If there was an incident three days ago and they still have the yarn in their store, of course they do. Right. <laughs> right. Because nobody's going to, here's the other thing. It's going to be harder for them to sell it now. Right. Like, even if they do something like, and I've seen some very good responses from other shops. I'm thinking specifically of um, Virginia from who owns Gather here in Cambridge in the Boston area did an Instagram live yesterday, or it was a video, doesn't matter which, saying, I, I am well aware of what's happening and you're all reaching out to me. So instead of writing back a million emails, I'm telling you here, we have this inventory and we are dealing with it. But there, Virginia made it clear that it is on its way out the door and they'll be moving on from that company. Yeah. Which is a big decision, an important decision for yarn shops to make. And I applaud her for being very transparent about their working relationship and like what they're dealing with right now. But, you know, she, I think she said in the post that they have something like $32,000 worth of inventory from them in the shop. And like, of course, she can't be like, well, in the dumpster it goes. Right. Like, right. that's insane. And Gather Here is an amazing shop. And you want them to be able to keep the lights on and to be there as a resource for the maker community. But they're dealing with it on a timeline that works for them, that keeps them like a healthy business. Right. As betrayed as you individually feel as a knitter when somebody does something like this, also the shop owner is feeling betrayed. Like we are all kind of in this boat together where you're like, our our whole mission as our store is supporting companies that we believe in. And if one of those companies does something that makes us impossible to to believe in them anymore, like I am personally offended. Oh, and it damages our business. Yeah, like we so so we've dealt with this before. We have dealt with this before on a smaller scale. Much smaller. We had an indie dyer. Mhm. We had met. We had met. We'd met more than once. She was nice and funny and her yeah. yarn was nice. And then she said something racist. Like, oh, God. So not good. (laughs) So we hauled all of her yarn into the dye studio and we over-dyed it. We took it off the website immediately. Mm -hmm. We dimnatio memoriaed her yarn. And, you know, and we are lucky that we are able to do things like that because we have a dye studio in the store. But not everybody can do that. And not all yarn can have that done to it. Like in this particular case, because it was indie dyed, we could over-dye it. We had another line that we that like the relationship just kind of fell apart. They were, it wasn't a small indie dyer. We had kind of a lot of yarn with them and it couldn't be over dyed. And so it just kind of got clearanced over time. Right. 
and you know, all shops will deal with things differently, but we were like, we had the conversation where we were like, what, we can't sell this. What do we do with this? Right. Like, of course, physically we could sell it, but like emotionally we could not sell it. Right. And so we made it disappear. And some of that is just us too. Like when we have the bad taste in our mouth about somebody who's done something messed up, we're going to tell, like, we're not going to let you buy it. We're going to tell you to buy other things. Right. It's just going to sit in the shop forever and we're just going to be mad about it forever. So, so we made our problem go. <laughs> so, so we overdiet. Yeah. Yeah. So have conversations with your local shop owners, like reach out to them. And if they're carrying something that is problematic, make sure that they know and let them know mm-hmm. that you don't intend to buy it or would like to know whether they're going to be restocking it. And also... If you think that you have come across something that would be a great alternative, yes, let them know that too. Because, you know, shops are as big and as connected as we are at any given point in time, but we definitely don't know everybody and all of the yarn that's out there. And sometimes uh, shops are in a position where you have to get rid of a brand for problem reasons. And then you're like, oh, uh, now I have this big hole right. in our offerings. What can we fill that with? And if you have suggestions, like your shop owners should be happy to hear that and at least consider it. The other thing that I think we should mention, and this is not the case with Quinz & Co., but it is the case with some other large yarn companies. And we're in a a Facebook group with other shop owners, and they were kind of freaking out about this over the last couple of days. There are bigger yarn companies that when you sign your wholesale contract, you sign like a, a non-disparagement agreement. Yes, a non-disparagement agreement that, you know, says like if the shop owner says something uh, disparaging in public, that relationship is over, which is kind of fine. Like if the shop owner is saying something disparaging in public, that relationship was probably already over. But the other clause that's sometimes in there is that you're that the shop owner is opening themselves up to getting like sued or having like legal or financial repercussions beyond the end of that relationship. So sometimes it is not realistic to expect a shop to be able to make a huge public statement denouncing one of these companies. And that always is dependent on sort of the individual shop and like where they are. But that doesn't prohibit them from taking action to make changes and right. correct the situation within your community specifically. Right. I'm just saying, but before like before you show up with pitchforks because oh, right. because they didn't say X, Y, and Z words on the internet, sometimes there are things going on behind the scenes. And I, I just always feel like, I don't know, like we need to connect with them. Just yeah. connect with yeah. them and ask them. Because they'll probably tell you personally, like, I can't say it publicly because I signed this thing, but yeah, just ask. So we talked about how often designers are taken advantage of in this industry, and they are the other producer who sometimes get really screwed over by a company's bad behavior. For example, right, whether you're talking about an independent designer who just happened to have used yarn from a company that turns out to be problematic 
you know, three years later, or if it's somebody who used to be a, an in-house designer for that brand, or, you know, there's all kinds of ranges where a designer can have their body of work connected to yarn that turns into problem yarn after the fact. Right. And that's so unfair to that designer. Just as a person in this industry who is friends with designers, to have these relationships get tanked by the company's bad behavior, because designers are what move this industry. People buy yarn to knit the thing that the designer designed. So for a designer to make something out of your yarn is helping you. And then you, company, betray them. That's infuriating. That's so infuriating. Anyway, so if you're looking at a design on Ravelry Mm -hmm. that is knit with yarn that now leaves a bad taste in your mouth, Now's a great time to think about yarn substitutions. That's right. Yeah. Because we've talked about this before. A pattern calls for a particular yarn or a pattern has its samples knit in a particular yarn. But that doesn't mean it's the decision that you have to make. Right. For any number of reasons. And maybe you really love the aesthetic of a particular designer and you're like, uh... Well, I don't know about that because historically you've been a knit with what the pattern calls for kind of person. Spread your wings a little bit. Yeah. And think about whether what other options are out there because you can still support their creative process and the designs that are inspiring you to make things and not use yarn that keeps you up at night. Right. Also... So we were talking about how, for example, a shop can respond to this kind of thing. You'll see this sometimes on Ravelry, where a designer will, you know, there's always that section where they say, like, what they use to make the design. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that becomes very nonspecific. They, They will say something like, I used some yarn out of my stash. Right. Or just DK weight merino. Like, it becomes very, like, here's a fiber type. Right. We're not telling you what we use to knit the samples. That is the designer, usually, I sometimes. guess, I, sometimes, right, doing exactly what we are. They're saying. over-dying. They're over-dying. <laughs> they, are, they are trying to separate themselves from, this prop, from like a problematic situation. And you got to respect that. I like when, de- when designers do that, where they're like, I am not going to pull down this pattern just because I used, you know, some, somebody I didn't know was a horrible racist's yarn. But I'm not going to tell you who they were or tell you to go buy it. Right. It makes me happy. Yeah. So I suppose it comes down to like open lines of communication. Yes. When we're addressing these issues. Because, well, like at our corrections corner at the beginning, (laughs) we said, you know, hey, maybe we said something totally unexpected and not correct. But if you tell us that we've done something or said something wrong, We will say thank you for telling us and correct this. And when that's happening at a larger scale where things are like actually problematic and we're not misspeaking and saying follicle instead of cuticle, but it's like (laughs) a a real kind of significant issue in the world, Mm -hmm. either behavior or speech, if people aren't willing to step up and make amends and fix things and they're telling you that that is who they are 
as an individual or as a company in this industry, then you get to make choices. Right. We all get to make choices about how we all move forward from this. Yeah. And and it is always really important to make your choices in a way that support the things that you believe in. So if you are going to, I'm, I'm going to use Gather Here as an example. If mm-hmm. Gather Here is your local yarn shop and you're seeing that the response they're taking to this and you say, I like that response, support the hell out of them because A, they need it. Like, I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't say that. Well, I mean, we all need it. All small businesses right. need support, particularly in this stretch of right. endless uncertainty. <laughs> Show them some love right. and let them know that you appreciate that they take a stand about things and that they, they are transparent and they're willing to communicate with you about these decisions that they've been pushed to make because no yarn shop owner wakes up and is like, hmm, boy, I bet someone's really going to step in it this week and right. I can't wait <laughs> to have my business affected by this. All that yarn I was so excited to get when the UPS guy dropped it off. I hope I just have to set it all on fire. <laughs> yeah, like that is nobody's favorite day, but... If you can be clear-headed about it and respond in a way that you are being transparent with the community, I think that's really important that you, as the the fiber community, encourage that and embrace that and support that in whatever way you can, whether it's shopping with, say, Gather Here, or it's sharing their post on social media or doing other things to amplify that transparency and proactive stance. Yeah. And it is also worth just kind of always keeping in mind, particularly when these sorts of incidents are happening in Instagram stories, they are so easy to miss. And like Jessica talked about this a little bit when you're approaching somebody and you say like, hey, did you even know this is happening? Sometimes if you miss it happening, it is impossible to figure out what it is that happened. Particularly just when we're talking about social media and stories which disappear, like sometimes, you know, you have to be ready to have a conversation and do a little education with the person that you're talking to because they, they might have just completely missed it. Mm-hmm. Jessica was like, did you see this mess? And I was like, no, I've been building a website. Like I zero and then, you know, went and dug it up. But like we share an Instagram account and I, I missed it and she didn't. Anyway, so yeah, there's that. Also. Dear companies, please stop doing messed up things. <laughs> yeah. Just stop. It's yeah, bad. It's bad. It's so like, disappointing it, and infuriating. I have a whole rant about how this happens so often in the fiber industry because we are talking about like small producers of yarn or designs or whatever, intellectual content, whatever it is, who are primarily women and who are kind of working on their own, like out of their garage or out of their house or out of their cousin's nephew's attic or whatever it is, whatever little space they've been able to carve out for themselves to make this work and how that work is just so continually undervalued and uh, support your designers. Also, don't be racist and stop devaluing people's work. Right. So, right. The end. The end. But also, I... Have the horrible sinking feeling. <laughs> Not the end. Not the end. <laughs> to be that, continued. <laughs> that this conversation will come up again and evolve and we will be addressing this throughout the future. This is something we both have a lot of big feelings about, but in the interest of this not being a two-hour episode. 
because I'm sure we will have an opportunity to revisit this in the future, unfortunately. And I think that we have some people in the industry that we'd like to invite to come and have conversations with us about it, too. This will be ongoing. What's on your needles right now, Jessica? My penguono. Yay! Yeah. But also, my penguono is nearing completion. It is. Which is feeling exciting. And I have so many dreams for things that I want (laughs) on my needles in the coming weeks. So after today, I hopefully will have more things to tell you about that are not a penguono. (laughs) What are on your needles, Karen? I am still just knitting endless socks. So I am nearing the end of the fifth sock out of my, what I've decided are going to be three pairs of socks, Mm -mm. which is six socks. Uh (laughs) I have not done a whole lot of knitting this week only because I had to surprise build a website. Surprise. For something that has nothing to do with the store. And so that's been taking kind of all of my, like, after work hours mm-hmm. doing stuff energy. But I am, like, a couple of rows from the end of my fifth sock. And then I'm going to finish off the pair. And then I'm going back to my... Your forager? My forager. It's a good spot. Which I, is, like, it has zero sleeves, but it has a complete body. So it just needs two sleeves. And nice. it's going to be lovely. And I want to wear it before it gets warm. which considering how cold it is today, feels like a... Like never? <laughs> right. feels like I have infinite time, but at some point it'll be warm again. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the world. Right. <laughs> Jessica. Karen. Are you ready? Oh, no. For a letter. Yay. Yeah, let's do it. Our letter this week comes from Lori, who has a technical question. Okay. I just finished my first Ursina sweater. Among other mistakes, I ended up with holes in my short rows. I listened to episode 11 and I'm glad to know that this is a common mistake and one that can be avoided on my next Ursina sweater. In the meantime, do you have any ideas on how I can hide the holes so that I can wear the sweater outside of my home? I was thinking about duplicate stitch, but I'd love to hear your ideas. Hi, Lori. That's a good question. (laughs) Wait, before you jump into answering this, okay. can I just say how much I love the, I just love how Lori is, is approaching this. She's like, this has a mistake. I'm going to do it again. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, okay. fix it. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the whole knitter attitude, <laughs> I think. Just right. do the thing. <laughs> yeah. So holes in short rows happen. Holes in increases happen. And you have a couple of options. Your first option is to live with it. And you have (laughs) identified that that's not what you want to do. So we will move along. I have to tell you that in my early knitting life, I didn't really understand how to do invisible increases. So I would just pick up a bar in between my stitches and knit into that, which left like a beautiful little eyelet. So I have sweaters old sweaters at this point that have increases along the length of the sleeves, like on the inner arms that just have these little like twin sets of holes all the way down. And I like to think of them as design features. Oh, they totally are. If you do it, like anything you do consistently Mm -hmm. is part of the thing and it's fine. Right. But that said, 
I so I have not knit the Ursina, but I have knit the Ursa sweater. And if your short rows are at the bust line, where I'm assuming they might be, because that's where the short rows were for my Ursa sweater, mm-hmm. you probably don't want a bunch of little like staggered eyelets across your bust line. Like that may not be the look that you're going for. I wouldn't be surprised because she says something about needing to get rid of these before she can wear it outside of the house. Yeah. Peep show. (laughs) Um, So duplicate stitch is a perfectly fine option here. Mm -hmm. And if you like doing duplicate stitch, excellent. I would say that that's a great option. Otherwise, really, I can't say that I have a super like creative or, you know, like aha fix for this other than I would probably just tack it shut, like do a little stitch on the back side of the fabric, the inside of your sweater, and kind of cinch those little holes up, much like I would do if I had holes at the join between the sleeve and the body in an armpit of a sweater. I would just kind of cinch those up with a stitch or two. But whatever will give you least bumpy resolution to this <laughs> issue feels like feels like a good bet, which might be duplicate stitch. And I would think, and I I think this email is kind of implying this as well, but maybe doing a different short row method on her re-knit might not be a bad idea. She could do German short rows instead, which disappear a little bit more, or Mm -hmm. shadow short rows. Oh, yeah. Experiment with your techniques and try something new, and you might have a really clean, lovely finish. Thanks, Lori. Yeah, thanks for writing in. So I think that is it for us this week. Please send us your emails, dearscratch at scratchsupplyco.com. Keep working on your penguinos. You can follow us on Instagram at makegoodpod. And don't forget the March of the Penguinos coming up on March 6th on Saturday. I think by next week we'll figure out what time that'll be. So sure, we'll make a plan. And that really only applies to the local people. So, you know, if you are elsewhere than the upper valley it is anytime you want on the socials tag us and we'll see it and find some way to make this a thing yeah so you can listen to make good on apple Podcasts or stitcher or wherever else you get them you should subscribe and maybe review us or rate us because it'll help other knitters find us i don't think we're on stitcher i don't know how to get us on stitcher oh no Okay. Well, look for us wherever you get your podcasts <laughs> and subscribe and rate us and review us. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye bye.